Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. All right, and this is Excellence in Parenting, the Five Love Languages, and this is Class 3. And again, a reminder that next week we will transition to teens and we will talk about the five love languages and teenagers for the next three weeks. So at the top of our handout, we have this quote that I found in the New Living Translation. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, so if I could speak every language that existed in heaven and earth, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. That's some pretty powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is the chapter that ends faith, hope, love. The greatest of these is love. Um, God puts a high price on our ability to love others. And parenting is such a sacrifice and again in that first week I said there's there's no greater sacrifice that you can commit to in life than being a parent but there's also nothing I know like it that has such a great reward there's such a deep satisfaction in raising children to be responsible members of society and to see them go on and and find the one that God created for them and walk in the ways of God and fulfill their purpose in him and it's such an incredible blessing to be a parent and we don't want to take that for granted but it's a great responsibility and these five love languages um, so the five love languages what are they help me out guys doesn't matter what order they're in what are the five love languages physical touch touch. words of affirmation Giving gifts. Gifts, yes. Acts of service. Acts of service. Quality time. Quality time. Mm-hmm. Do we get them all? Yep. All yes. right. Very good, very good. So all of these love languages are important. And if you know what your primary love language is, I just want you to write it there. And if someone would like to share theirs, I know some of you have in the past, but would somebody like to remind us what your love language is? Acts of service. Acts of service. Physical touch. Physical touch. touch. Mine's probably physical touch. Ah, all right. So I actually have the quiz. I would be happy to give you a copy of that, Sister Debbie, if you would want to take the uh, quiz and find out what your primary love language is. 
And remember that your primary love language is probably the language that you most likely use to try and communicate love to others. So uh, Ryan's going to be touchy-feely and Tiffany's going to be doing things for everybody. She does lots for me, so I'm sure that's true for everybody else. And um, I suspect that my child or children's primary love language may be. And even um, with adult children, they still have love languages. They still communicate in specific ways primarily um, or the children that are involved in your life. If you think that you know what those are, and this is a little caveat that I want to say to you, be aware to not put too much emphasis on finding out your kids' love languages. You want to kind of be a little sly about that, especially teens, which we'll talk more about next week. But if they find out how valuable you think this information is and how much you want to use it, they can tend to play you. And it's that's just how children are. They understand that, oh, when I hurt my knee and I really cried, I got a cookie. So if I get hurt and I make a big deal out of it again, I'm, I might get another gift or get a cookie or get mom to do something for me, uh, however that may be. So uh, it could skew your results a little bit based on uh, what that kid might want at that time. So that's just kind of a little warning for that. And I passed out last week those informational handouts to kind of ask questions in a, um, in a manner. If you have kids that are, you know, 6 to 12, they're going to be able to kind of tell you what that is. And you can make a little game out of it, a mystery game. And with kids, you can also just observe one of the things that I think is so interesting is the book says, what do they complain about the most? Mom, you never have time to play games with me. You never play games with me. Even if you just spent an hour playing a game with them last night, mm -hmm. if they're, then there's a really good chance that quality time might be their primary love language. Or if it's like, I never get to sit in your lap. You always let Lincoln and Layla sit in your lap, but you never let me sit in your lap. Then, you know, physical touch might be that child's primary love language. Um, so what is an emotional tank? Let's do a little review here. What is our emotional tank? Anybody want to grab that one? No? All right, so we all have an emotional capacity that needs to be filled, emotional needs that we need to have met, we need to feel loved by others for us to operate at our best. And so the book uses the terminology of an emotional tank. Some people term it the love tank that we feel depleted sometimes when people aren't speaking to us maybe in our primary love language 
or if we're not getting a lot of time with the people that we love. There's all sorts of reasons why that emotional tank can run dry, but just like a gas tank on a vehicle, it does need to be constantly refilled. And an emotional tank to a child is very, very important. You need all five love languages to keep that tank filled, but one love language or two, the ones that are the primary ones for your children and for us the same way, those are going to be the things that make us feel um, like we have a full emotional tank more quickly. So if physical touches it and, you know, John goes out and Christy hugs him and says, man, I love you, you big lug, and slugs him on the shoulder. And, and you know, Ethan comes up behind him and gives him a bear hug. Well, I guess it would be down here if Ethan's giving you a bear hug. But, you know, those kinds of things that make us feel loved and valued by the people that we love, uh, those things that are our primary love language, give us a little more bang for our buck, as it were. And I actually asked Sister Emily to look for this picture for me today of a heart shape that was broken into puzzle pieces and that there's one piece of that puzzle that is just larger than the others. We need all of them to complete us, but whatever our primary love language is really just fills our emotional tank more quickly. So ways to fill a child's emotional tank. I just put three there. These could be any love language and honestly thousands of possibilities here. So come on, you guys, you can do this. I just am asking for three. So tell me what are ways we can fill a child's emotional tank? Spend alone time with them. Alone time with one them. Time. One-on-one time. One on one time with them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Buy them gifts. Listen. Buy them gifts. Listen. Listening. Just spending time letting them talk, whatever they want to talk about. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Letting them talk and us not talking as much and really feeling like we're focused on them. All right, so we've got those three. What are some other ones? Giving them praise or encourage. Giving them praise when oh, they do yeah. something good, but even encouraging them. Mm -hmm. If, if something is goes wrong or, you know, they're struggling. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You can put a positive spin on almost anything. And even if a child has experienced something that is devastating to them, it's not that you are saying, oh, that's not that important, you'll get over it, but a way of saying, wow, I really understand that that makes you feel cruddy, and I'm so sorry that happened to you, but you know, you are such a good friend, and I know that this is going to happen, you know, and just giving them that positive, that there is a sunny side to that, and keeping that attitude will go a long way in helping that child to keep that healthy mentality as they, you know, go through life. And let's face it, I would not want to be a child in today's society. No I would not. Yeah, I hear horrible things. There's so many things that our kids today face that we just didn't have to. And I imagine that, you know, our parents probably felt that way about my generation and, you know, that each generation does seem to be waxing worse and worse, which is a sign of the times. Yeah. But it goes without saying, having a kid in today's society, cell phones alone just make me want to cringe. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that they have access to and so many influences through social media. Um, you know, parenting today, it is not for the faint of heart. 
So kudos to you guys. All right, so one of the biggest responsibilities we have as adults in helping the next generation to become better and to be, uh, and is to help them to become better and better than we are. Each generation should be building on the previous one to improve all the aspects of life, whether it's personal life, family life, community, worldwide. Each individual must choose to become the best version of them. Individually, we decide who we're going to become. It doesn't matter where we come from or what has happened to us. Two children can grow up in the same home, attend the same schools, have the same experiences, share friends and family, yet become polar opposites in their adult life. But children who are raised by adults that have given them that full emotional tank and given them access and training in the five love languages are uniquely positioned to dream and achieve. It does not matter if you had the advantage of this when you were a child. As an adult, you are 100% responsible to do the best you are able with the children that are in your life. If you are uncomfortable giving hugs, you need to overcome that and learn to hug the children in your life. If you were never told, I love you, you must become fluent in saying this to your children, your spouse, your family. You can't teach Spanish if you don't know how to speak Spanish. You've got to become fluent to teach others by your example. It's not always easy being an adult. But sometimes you just got to put on your big boy pants and adult so that your kids and the kids in your life can have a better tomorrow. And sometimes we see adults, and I know we could probably all think of a few that we've had experiences with that just choose to hide out in front of a video game console or turn on Hallmark movies and put their feet up on the couch. That's not doing anything to make you a better human. And it's certainly not helping your children to become the best versions of themselves. Now, is there anything wrong? Hello, I love Hallmark Christmas movies. Thank you very much. But it's got to be done in that structure and in that discipline of knowing there's a time to hang out and chill. There's a time to work. Mm -hmm. But we should always ever be learning and learning how to become a better human. Discipline, the word discipline, comes from a Greek word. Does anybody know this? I can't believe I didn't know this. It comes from a Greek word meaning to train. I can't tell you how many times I have heard my pastor say, the word disciple sounds a whole lot like discipline. Yeah. And it does. Mm -hmm. And it is. And what is a disciple? It's someone who is a follower or has been trained by someone or who is following in the steps of dis discipline comes from a Greek word meaning to train. And for the time being, no discipline brings joy. 
And this is Hebrews 12:11, and this is the amplified version because you know I like those uh, out there versions. But seems, this is so good, it seems sad and painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, discipline that is, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And then they have in brackets under righteousness, right standing with God and a lifestyle and attitude that seeks conformity to God's will and purpose. Boom. We're not going to enjoy the process of discipline, but we all want the fruit mm -hmm. of having a disciplined life. All right. Um, this next uh, blank here. Blank is a form of discipline, but it is the most negative. Does anybody know what might go in that word? If you're going to discipline your child, what's the, the negative? It's not that it's not still a good form of discipline. Most people think that this is the way to discipline a child. Punishment. I was going to say spank. I don't know. Yeah. Punishment is a form of discipline, but it is the most negative. It sometimes can be the one that we just default to. Mm -hmm. If you do this, then this is going to be the punishment. If you do this, this is going to be the punishment. Punishment is a way to discipline children, but it is greatly overused in many homes, and it is the most negative. But we can also train our children or discipline our children in many other ways. Um, the goal of disciplining our children is that they would one day reach a level of maturity that would allow them to function as a responsible adult in society. To train your child in mind and character, this is a quote from the book, to train your child in mind and character to become a self-controlled and constructive member of home and community. It's really good. You will guide by, these are all ways of discipline, example, modeling, verbal instruction, written request, teaching, preaching right behavior, correcting wrong behavior, providing learning experiences, and there's even more listed in the book. All of those are forms of discipline. But we all tend to, when we think of discipline, kind of go to that punishment. We think, well, well, we could spank them or we could send them to their room or put them in timeout or take away this or not allow them to hang out with this person or to go here. But there's really many different things that we do to disciple our children and to discipline them. The more a child feels loved, the easier it is for them to be disciplined. We talked about this before. It's almost like a cushion on their spirit that whenever they feel safe and secure, 
I know that mom loves me, so she must she must have a good reason for doing this. And they're going to be more pliable in your hands whenever you have gone out of your way to make sure that they are emotionally full. And we talked about this last week about the whole uh, praise sandwich where even when you do need to correct a behavior that you want to, you want to start off with something that's positive and then make the correction and then end with something that is positive. I heard pastor say one time, uh, someone had done something that he needed to correct and he said, but I didn't correct them right then because I hadn't praised them for what they had done right up to that point. And he said, so I just decided to lay it on the altar and, and give it a while because he didn't want to come to them in what seemed like a negative form. I think when we can use that mentality with our children, it can go so far with them because it's that way of, uh, okay, Johnny did something bad and I'm going to need to correct him. But instead of, instead of just going in, I can't believe you did that. You knew that was a house rule. You did it anyway. It is, okay, his primary love language is physical touch. So first I'm going to go in while he's sitting at his desk doing his homework, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to put my hand on his shoulder. And I'm going to say, hey, how's your day been today? I'm going to talk to him, and then I'm going to say, you know, I need to talk to you about something that you did today and I'm going to have him stand up and I'm going to give him a hug and say, you know, I love you. And this doesn't change the fact that I love you, but we are going to have to talk about what your discipline is going to need to be because you did this. And then at the end of that, you know, to hug them again, I never, um, I never spanked Andrew ever that I didn't, First, sit him on my lap and say to him, do you understand why you need to get a spanking? And we would talk about it and talk about what was wrong in the behavior. And then I would spank him. And then I would always hug him afterward and just told him. Now, when we got older, I found out that his primary love language, gifts and physical touch. So I was very glad that that was part of... I don't know where I got that. I think that I got that from James Dobson's Bringing Up Boys. I'm pretty sure that it was in that book, and I highly recommend that book if you have boys. Um, but it was just something that somebody passed on as I was trying to read and find out how to be a good parent. I was not punished that way when I was growing up. That isn't how it went in my household or uh, in my mom and dad's household. Uh, but I will say this, and, and I'm very proud of the young man that Andrew has become. And I've told this story many times, and I've told it to some kids. You know that whole counting to three? Mm -hmm. I counted to three when Andrew was three years old. And I never got to three again until he was 11. Because when when both times, by the way, happened at the church, which is interesting. But when your friends are around, you know, you got a little more oh, yeah. moxie. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so we were in the foyer, probably for both of them. But I don't remember where the first one happened. I remember where the second one was because he was 11 and it broke my heart. And that was his last spanking, by the way. Uh, but it was wherever we were and whatever we were doing, if he was doing something that was unbecoming 
then I would hold up a finger. There's your one. I wouldn't even say one. Wherever we were, because I could do it from across the room. <laughs> and usually that was enough to bring it in. <laughs> you go ahead. You work. It'll work for you. And then, and at two, I knew that my countenance changed. I didn't get to two very often in his life, actually. And then 11, I could even tell you the kids he was running with at the time, whenever. And when I hit three, I almost started crying. Because the parents that count to one, one and a half, two, two and a half, two and three quarters, those kids, they don't feel loved, they don't feel nurtured, they don't feel like their parents love them. Because if you love them, you would provide boundaries for them that say... I love you so much I can't let you operate like this because this is not what well-behaved, responsible adults act like, and that's what I want you to grow up to be. So that was kind of a little side thing that wasn't in my notes, but it is important that as we keep their emotional tank uh, filled with love and that we work that as we are correcting them never ever ever I know you guys all know this but I'm gonna say it because it's so important we never ever ever correct our children when we are angry or feel like we do not have control at any point you have to be in total control because if you do it out of anger first of all the child knows mm -hmm. second of all it's not gonna be fair discipline it's not going to be because when we're upset, everything is worse, right? Brother Gene talks about, he says, when you're tired, when you're hungry, when you are, what's the other one? Oh, angry. When you're yeah. tired, you're hungry, you're angry, you have a thin filter. And you get pushed over the edge more quickly, and everything is a bigger deal. You know, it's like if I shut my finger in the door when I'm just having a regular day, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I did that. Ugh. But if I'm having a bad day, oh, my goodness, this is the worst day ever. I cannot imagine everything becomes worse. You cannot discipline your child whenever, whenever you are overly emotional in any one of those ways. And they will know. And they will know if you – this goes both ways. First of all, they will know. If you are too harsh yeah. I can't believe you said that I'm taking away your phone for three weeks well that wasn't worth it I did it last week and you took my phone for an hour but they also know whenever you go the other way if you're having a really great day and you just decide not to discipline them mm -hmm. and they'd be like oh it's okay oh it's all right or I'm too tired to get off the couch and chase you. <laughs> you know, these are real things, right? It is. This is just this is just a real class. This is just who I am. There were plenty of times where I was like, if you do that, I'm gonna have to get up off this couch. And I do not want to get up off this couch. <laughs> just come watch Veggie Tales and be good. Now we do have to be the adult in the relationship because that's our role. And again, it goes back to, it doesn't matter what kind of home you were raised in, now that you're the adult, you are 100% responsible for that child's life and for your responsibilities to be carried out. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so 
I'm gonna, don't want time to get away from me here. Um, be aware of using their primary love language when you are disciplining your child. It's especially important to enforce the fact that you love your child while disciplining, and I talked about that a little bit, but if words of affirmation are your child's primary love language and you use condemning critical words while you are disciplining, you can really emotionally devastate them. Mm -hmm. If, um, well, you have three children, I know that they don't all have the same love language, mm -hmm. but you probably found that there was one child that uh, if you sent them to their room, they were devastated. Mm -hmm. But there might have been another child you sent them to the room, they're like, yes, <laughs> like this isn't a punishment at all. I don't care, whatever. Yeah. You know, um, another child, if, if physical touch is their love language, then, you know, an excessive spanking might have just really devastated mm -hmm. them. But, well, I don't care about going to my room. So that's one of those things where we talk about treating children fairly, but every child is an individual. So what's going to work with one child is not going to necessarily be effective with another child. And also what worked with the first child might be, devastating for the second child to have to experience that and so that's one of the things you know welcome to parenting this is you know and we're just we're going along merrily figuring out as we go and the grace of God covers a a multitude of our shortcomings but when we do it and we're asking the Lord for wisdom to help us with our children and to help our children to understand that we love them and that we're trying our grandchildren you have grown children now so did you say you had 10 grandchildren so that's a wonderful oh my goodness wow that's exciting so um, we have a great quote at the end of the page that I actually saw on Facebook this week about children and grandchildren so um, okay children need to be disciplined in a way that is fair and consistent and you always need to be in control of your emotions um, discipline is to help correct a wrong behavior and to help them to develop self-discipline. So there are some things, especially like a toddler with the phrase no. Sometimes they just want to say the word no. Yeah. They hear it so much. <laughs> they just want to say no. Come here. No. And then they come. Right? Yeah, it, they just, well, well, can you correct, well, no, because they're just, they're just expressing the word no. Mm -hmm. I might not even know what it means. Now, there might be a time where they are being defiant and they are saying it, and then that's going to require a little bit, um, a little bit more attention on the parent's part, but that's just one of those things that you've just got to play it by, they also sometimes are tired mm -hmm. and hungry and don't feel well. Yeah. Uh, I remember, maybe we should pause the recorder for a minute, but I remember one parent, you don't have oh, to pause thanks. it, they're, <laughs> one parent, their child, no matter what they did, and they sometimes were horrendous, and they would, oh, well, they're tired, or they're hungry, and that's what they said about them every time. Oh, well, they're hungry, and then they would just ignore them. I was like, that poor child. 
Show your child that you love them. Create those boundaries for them that say, I love you so much, I'm not going to let you wreck your life. Yeah. And and that's like a whole week in the teenager, you know. <laughs> that's, a whole, that's a whole class in the teenage, you know. They're so, they are so in need of just feeling loved. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, so that's for another week. All right. Um, remember... This is really good that children remember feelings more readily than facts. Mm -hmm. If you ask me about my experiences as a child, certain things that stood out to me or certain things that I had, uh, oh, we did this or we did that, I'm going to be remembering the feelings that I experienced during that, which, by the way, as a child, I didn't have full understanding of what was going on in that situation, but that's what I remember about that situation. Sometimes bad, sometimes good. So there are circumstances and events that happen that our children will remember more by how they felt than what actually went on. So as we are disciplining our children, as we are loving our children, as we are trying to help them grow up to be these responsible individuals, we have to make sure that we are keeping the entire scope of the situation in our minds. And especially if you have older kids, I think it's a good idea that you go back to them, you know, maybe the next day or maybe after the fact and talk to them about, Okay, so, so how do you think we did with dealing in, in this situation? How do you think we dealt with that? Do you think that what I, what I said to you was fair? Can you tell me what caused you to do this to your little brother? Can you tell me, you know, and ask them about that because it can help you put together those pieces. And again, also for their love language, what it is that maybe triggered that behavior from them to begin with. But children remember feelings more readily than facts. I'm pretty convinced that that's probably true for us as well. Yeah. Especially for women, that might not necessarily be true for men because you guys are very much fact related you know it's like you you see the problem here's a solution it's just that easy you know that whole um what's the thing men are men are waffles and women are spaghetti do you know this no yeah john knows it i thought it was like blue sunglasses and pink sunglasses yes that is from love and respect that is such an incredible relationship book it really is the best was i the one that told you you needed to get that and read it i don't know i probably did it at heartbeats it was it was such Mm -hmm. such a um such an eye-opening book yeah love and respect is totally great if you haven't read that as a relationship book you need to get it and read it it's phenomenal but um so men are men can compartmentalize like waffles you know you can pour the syrup in each one of the compartments individually and men are like this is what's going on at work this is what's going on at home this is what's going on in my marriage this is what's going on in church women are like spaghetti you cannot separate them for us because whatever is happening at work is going to affect me at home and whatever's happening at home is going to affect me at church. We are just a big old mismatch of spaghetti all over the place. And that's really how we are, isn't it? 
I'm so, afraid so. We're like spaghetti. Ryan, Ryan's dad, this past Christmas, kind of explained it like, you know, in a man's mind, he has rooms. So you open the door and you shut it and you're in a room. And you go to the next door and you open it and you shut it and you're in another room. So, and you can only be in one room at a time. But a woman's mm -hmm. brain is, is like, like one big giant room. So everything is in that room. It's perfect. Yeah. It's absolutely true. And everything that is going on in that house that has no walls affects every other room. It absolutely does. Yeah. That is like relationship 101. You are welcome for that because, yeah, it's a big deal. Men think totally different than, than women think. So, but we, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that we also remember events that happen more by how that made us feel. Yeah. I might remember feeling, oh, I remember going to that. And what I'm really remembering is I felt really out of place because Mark was at work and I was there by myself and everybody else was a couple. And, you know, it's like I'm going to think about those kinds of things, whereas somebody else might remember it in an entirely different light because of whatever their feelings were emotionally during that time. So. Um, exposing your child to all of the love languages help them to mature emotionally. And you, again, have to get out of your comfort zone to be able to experience and to example all five of those love languages for your child. Because, again, they have their primary love language, but their siblings are probably using another love language for their primary their spouse may have another primary the people at their school the people that they have friendships with the people at church so a child needs to be exposed to all five of these not just for their own emotional love tank but to be able to have the ability to speak to all of the other people in their world in in those love languages so that they know that this is a person I'm close to, it's okay to hug them. Or I'm gonna sit down and listen while this person talks about what's going on in their world because they really need that and I'm their friend, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna be that person for them that they can talk to. So, uh, I just wanna talk about anger for a moment and it's 7.41, I knew if I ran out of time at any week that this was gonna be it. So, anger is a normal human emotion. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Anger is neither good nor bad, right? The Bible says, be angry and sin not, and sin not right? Um, but we have to learn to effectively handle it. So mishandled anger, this is a quote from the book, is at the root of most of society's unresolved issues. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, I immediately thought, that's accurate. That's accurate. Not uh, people not knowing how to handle anger is what has caused most of the problems in society. But all of us, parents and children, get angry. Probably most of us get angry or irritated or upset about something every day. So, this is a book quote that I think is so powerful. Primary, the primary lifetime threat to your child is their own anger. If they do not learn how to handle it well, it will damage 
or destroy them. And this is related to every present and future problem that they have. If you don't teach them how to effectively handle anger. Um, this is bordering more into the teen area, but we see this creeping into our younger and younger children. Yeah. Poor grades, damaged relationships, and even possible suicide all really go back to a child not being able to handle their anger. It is imperative that you do all you can to safeguard your child now and in the future. And learning to handle anger well will allow someone to use it to their advantage. Because there are times where we see someone less fortunate taken advantage of that, that gets that righteous anger in us and we step in and do something and help that person or we set something in motion that can help that to become a positive instead of a negative in someone's life. Parents have to learn appropriate anger expression. As adults, we must be able to deal with our anger maturely. If a parent cannot control and manage anger, again, you are not going to be able to teach your children to do it. So it's one of those things, you can't impart what you don't possess. You can't teach what you don't know. Um, and anger shows a lack of integrity. And that is something as we are trying to raise our children to have strong moral character and to be men and women of integrity. We want them to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible talks about Jesus being angry, going into the temple and overturning the money changers, but yet he was without sin. He controlled that anger and he used it as that human emotion. Anger is from the Lord. Yes, all of our emotions are from him. And so it is given to us to learn to manage effectively and be able to use to make a wrong situation right or to correct some behavior. And, um, all right, let's get to, um, discipline when possible should be included. Oh, I gave you that like a while ago, didn't I? <laughs> Sorry. I have to find it in my notes. I said it earlier and it wasn't in red. So <laughs> do, do, do in a praise sandwich. Discipline, when possible, should be included in a praise sandwich. And the person's primary love language should be considered. And that was where we were talking about the effectiveness of discipline in one child might be different for another. So be the parent the first time around so that you can love and enjoy and spoil those grandchildren. Yeah. Is that an honest quote? That's honest. very honest. An honest quote. Yeah. I don't know who shared it. Somebody shared it on Facebook, and I thought, man, that is powerful. Yeah. That's powerful. So, um, to become fluent in the five love languages is to ensure I will be a blessing to everyone in my life, but especially to my children. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.